0: I get many questions about um, the sort of day in the life of a management consultant, and I wanted to answer the question, but I'm not just going to answer it from the perspective of an associate or MBA level, you know, BCG would call it a consultant level person. I'm going to answer it from the perspective of an associate and, of an ass- and from the perspective of say a partner, or in some cases a principal, just to show you how things change as you move up the organization um, and give you a feel for... For firstly, what to expect at the different levels, and I'll try to be very candid here and not try to pick things I did that were you know unique to a few weeks and so on, but try to pick general um, uh, things that I did over the few the years that I was an associate, and then the years I, you know as I moved up the organization. So as an associate, I think that a lot of people will tell you that McKinsey and BCG thrive on you know giving you space on a weekend and you know giving your your time as your own. That's true, but to be honest, I mean, the, the work pressure is so great that if you want to be one of those people that takes a weekend off and not doing anything, I don't think you would, you know, really be a star. You'll do well, maybe. You'll, you'll, you won't get, you know, managed out. You may make it quite up the, far up the organization, but you're really never going to stand out, to be honest. You have to work on the weekends. I worked every Saturday, and I'd managed in such a way that... Um, Maybe I'd work Saturday morning till about 4 o'clock and then I'd take the evening off, but definitely every Sunday I worked. I worked every Sunday because m- the way I planned my life was really career-focused. So, for example, if I knew that I needed to be in a foreign country on Monday morning, 8 a.m., I would like to fly s- early Sunday morning and arrive there Sunday night, or if it was going to be a situation where I couldn't fly Sunday, I had to go on Saturday. I'd fly Saturday night and arrive there on Sunday. I... Hated arriving at a client situation or client site, sorry, on Monday morning, you know, jet lagged and tired from my flight, and so on. I just think that was inappropriate, as far as I'm concerned. Um, the amount of value you would create by being well rested far exceeds the extra cost of staying one or two nights extra in a hotel. So my feeling was that I would always fly in early. I'd like I generally like to arrive in a city three p.m. the night bef- the the day before. So I'd like to arrive three four p.m. the day before. I'll go to my hotel room, unpack. You know, so if I arrive at three o'clock, by the time I get to customs and get to the hotel, it's going to be about four thirty. By the time I check in and unpack, five thirty. Have a shower. It'll be about six o'clock. I then like to have sort of a working dinner where I'd be poring over my notes and my you know my, my presentation out and so on. But usually, what happens is when you fly to these unknown locales, usually you need to get an adapter for your laptop or adapter for your mobile phone or whatever it is. And some parts of the world, electronic stores are not open um, on Sunday evening, so you have to plan ahead. Sometimes I don't plan ahead. Or oh, I think a country is more advanced than it really is and I arrive there and I can't turn on my laptop and I really hate that. So now I've, I've got a bag of electronics that I carry with me wherever I go, always with me and I can always plug up and do stuff. I usually sit in my room from about 6 o'clock till about 7 o'clock eating and working at the same time. Uh, I always order food that I can eat with a spoon, Right one spoon, not you know, a cutlery with a knife and a fork um, that's just too messy and I like to have one hand to use the mouse and while I'm reading stuff. So I'll plan my day very carefully I will order soup and some rolls with some nice Lipton tea which I prefer and I'll just be reading the notes that I have with me making notes and, and so on as, I'm, as I continue reading them um, I'll probably finish my dinner by about 7 o'clock and I'll continue doing my work And ordering in more tea. I generally like tea. I find it quite soothing. Uh, Organize myself for the day, for the next day. I have a very simple rule. My philosophy is as follows. When you're in a foreign country, you should expect anything. You don't know what time you'll arrive. You don't know what the traffic is going to be like. You just don't know. So my rule is simple whatever i need for monday and tuesday morning has to be ready by sunday night even if it means i'm going to bed at 2 a.m on sunday night i'll just sit there and i'll do it because i know this idea of getting up early on monday and doing things never works you're just too tired so if i have to stay up till 1 a.m in the morning 2 a.m in the morning i will do it and i'll do it right i don't care my philosophy is very simple sleep later that's what the trip home back for is just get into the plane and you fall asleep right so work really late long hours i'm always on the on on the um uh, you know I always book rooms that are high up away from construction sites always book rooms that have wall to wall curtains so that if I need to um, uh, sleep in or something like that you know nothing's ever happened but you know I can always hope um, the curtains are are uh, thick enough to to block the sunlight I also like um high enough uh, uh, spaces not near construction sites and so on. And I usually would work, and then I, I, what I'd do is I'd send my clothing to be ironed, or pressed as they call it in some hotels. And then again, you have to be careful because I find hotels in some Western centers like London and so on, unless you're staying at some of the really best hotels, they don't have pressing services after 5 o'clock on a Saturday, so on a Sunday, and it only opens at about 7 a.m. the next morning, so you're really in a bind if you have to be some by 8 a.m. So you have to plan all these things. In the worst case situation, what I normally do is if they, you know, I remember once going into Warsaw and they just couldn't accommodate me and I, and I had to c- close my, um, shower, the, the, the shower door, turn on my shower, maximum heat, hang my shirt in there and let the steam um, sort of um, press. I wouldn't say press, but I just remove the wrinkles from my clothing. But anyway, there's a lot of logistical things you have to arrange when you're traveling. You have to basically have your whole life with you. I remember carrying a portable printer, a portable scanner, two mobile phones. The point is this. There's no excuse for not being ready. Everything organized. The night before everything is packed and I'm ready to walk out. I like to get up at around 6.30 would be the latest. if At least an hour and a half before I leave my hotel room door. That's the rule. So if I have to leave at 7.30, I'll be up at 6.00. I'll have a shower. Uh, when I get off the shower, I will... Um, you know order um, room service room service is always simple you know things that you can eat without being messy or having to sit down I like things you can eat on the go like a bagel um, you know buns and so on light eater I'm not one of these guys who packs up breakfast hoping to skip lunch I'm a really light eater I drink a lot of tea and I'm out of there I travel really light you know I don't. I carry um, a rolling laptop bag because I hate having to lug all my stuff around, and I carry all my electronics with me. So I have a dictaphone. I have a you know calculator. I have two um, uh, uh, mobile phones with me just in case. I have one for taking photos. I find the iPhone to be much more better at taking photos, um, and I also have a mobile phone with me, a BlackBerry, because of the secure connection. Everything goes with me. Arrive at the client. Side. i like to be one of the early people to arrive. I hate it when my team arrives before me because then everyone's set up and they're kind of waiting for me to set up. So I like to arrive early. I like to, the best time is when you arrive in some of these um, southern countries in summer. Really warm weather. You arrive at the office, you're one of the first people. Then you, ha- you can take your time to set up, make yourself coffee and just gather your thoughts before your team arrives. And let me tell you, on a project, it's hectic. Everyone's arrived late because they decided to take the last flight in. There's always some disorganization. While everyone's trying to settle in, you're already, you know, got the right Zen moment going then. That's the way I prefer to do things. Precision, order, and discipline. The early morning meetings are going to be hectic because you know the start of the week. Your team manager wants to your engagement manager or case leader wants to make sure that enough is done. There's going to be pressure on you and there's this early morning meeting which is really about recapping, giving feedback to your team, understanding where the points of linkages exist between the work you're doing and the work they're doing and it's just about building that. And then the morning I find I'm best at doing hard work. What I mean by that is that if I have to build a model or do a a storyboard, I'll do it in the morning. I do not book meetings in the morning. I don't book meetings with the clients, I don't do book data collection meetings in the morning. I save the morning, f- what I call me time, in, in a consulting sense, in inverted commas. I'll build my model then. I've never been on a project where I didn't have to build a model, actually, now that I think about it. I always have to build some kind of model. So I build my model there, and I also do my slides, and I do my thinking. I then book meetings, data collection meetings, updates with clients, and so on, and updates with my teams for after lunch. That's my rule. I've never broken that rule and I live by it. Mornings are for thinking and producing things, and the afternoons after lunch is for uh, sharing, collecting, and communicating. And given hectic schedules and diaries, I mean, those meetings can take a long time. I mean, if you want to meet someone from a client organization, they don't really have an obligation to meet you. So sometimes they schedule meetings, they'll cancel it, they'll move you around. You have to be flexible. I've been in situations where I have to wait till 9 p.m. at night just to meet some senior manager in finance or procurement or operations to collect information. It's the nature of the game. You have to do it. The key thing I find is that you should arrange your life in such a way that you can be productive no matter what happens. So what I always do is um, I carry a little, sort of a, a smaller... A laptop versus the large ones, a lot of people who come in on the business case side of things or who specialize in business cases or who like doing them because you can't really specialize in some firms they have these huge laptops with big screens I was on one of those people I had a very small laptop small screen, very light, I made sure of that so that no matter where I am I could really pull this thing out and just continue working obviously not pulling out confidential material but you know, typing, checking mails and so on and by about 7, 8, I'd be done, go back to the hotel and maybe have a dinner. I was quite a stickler for dinner. I kept dinners to 45 minutes. I mean, people find that bizarre, but dinners were 45 minutes for me. I'll come in, I I'll I have the smallest starter, the smallest main, and I'd finish it. No more than 45 minutes. People maybe find that rude. In fact, I've received performance feedback where people said that's maybe not so friendly. But the point is I have a lot to do, and I'll keep dinners to 45 minutes as an associate. I mean, it changed when I you know, moved up the ranks. 45 minute dinners, back in my room, have a shower and continue working. Same rule again applied. Anything I had to do that was due before lunch the next day had to be done the night before. Yeah, Hard and fast rule. There were many nights I'd be up till 4am in the morning preparing slides and so on. Just making sure my work was perfect. I had a rule I always did more than what was required. Always. I always had to look more better prepared and so on and even when I had joint team members allocated with me I invested a lot of time just so people know what joint team members are sometimes when you work on a client project the client assigns someone to work with you so that when you leave the project that person can take over what you were doing so there's no break in continuity I invested a lot of time firstly helping my joint team member understand what I was doing and making him look good. I made sure he looked good. I I, I made sure he never went into a meeting unprepared. He never went in without the right kind of data. He never was lacking for any of the backing that, that he should have. And I'm very proud to say that my joint team members always went on to great careers because I really made them successful. I remember once spending a whole weekend teaching my joint team member who was a HR um, assistant, um, assistant not in a, in a sense that she wasn't a professional, but that was the term the company used. HR assistant would never build financial models in her life. And I remember spending a whole weekend, you know, we, we just booked out a conference room at the company and we, I taught her how to build financial models. She wasn't perfect after the first weekend but she definitely could read it and understand it and then I spent the next weekend just fine-tuning it. And I remember how impressed her bosses were when she took them through the model that we had built uh, to understand the impact of introducing the new kind of uh, medical aid scheme for employees. It was just a fantastic thing. Pretty much that was my Monday to Thursday, really in the grindstone. I kept sort of update meetings for Thursday and I made Friday light. That's a very important thing to understand. I mean consultants get caught into this habit of, of working hard because that's what's expected of them. I've seen there with many consultants. They work late hours, not because they're efficient, but because they think they look good doing it. And even when they come in on a Friday, they try to keep themselves busy. I was never like that. I'll come in late on a Friday... And I was out of there by five, six o'clock. Sometimes I'd stay late, but it had to be something important. For example, if there was a, you know, tea, the company had these office cocktail or or sessions to get together with everyone when they're coming from production, I'd stay for those but Friday was going to be light it was going to be light for me because I was going to be working on the Saturday and also I needed time to recharge you know I was not one of these people who was going to kill themselves trying to get things out and then going away and disappearing for two days I just felt that was wrong <laughs> and, I'll exp- and when I talk about the way senior levels of the organization work in a few minutes you'll understand why that is important so that explains my life right as an associate or you know consultant in some firms basically the mba equivalent position you join in once you've uh, graduated once i became a, a partner it changed dramatically i mean basically saturday was work i mean i used to work from i used to get up i remember very clearly make myself some coffee watch some tv i never used to go out for breakfast because i find that disrupts my thinking process I would go to my study, turn on my laptop and do my work. And depending on how much I had to do, I usually would work till 4 o'clock, sometimes till 8 o'clock. And then if I had to go out for dinner, I'd do that. I mean, I made a point of socializing, obviously, but within reason. I also learned as a partner that you know, if there's a crisis, let's say one of your biggest clients and the CFO is going to call the um, senior partner on a Saturday, for sure the senior partner is going to call you on Saturday as well. And I cannot count the number of times I had to take work calls on a Friday evening. I mean, sometimes I'd go out on a Friday evening. I'd go to um, uh, you know events or dinners, and so on. And I had to step out and take a call. It was normal. It's not you know unusual that I had to do this. This was normal. Take calls, discuss it, uh, changes, and there, you know, as you get up the organisation, you're dealing with not just client issues. You're dealing with internal issues. Maybe a really A senior person, uh, like an engagement manager, is struggling, having an inverted commas, a breakdown, uh, struggling with stress. You have to deal with these things. People do not like it when you book meetings to deal with their personal issues. They want to feel that you are stepping out of your comfort zone to help them, that you are making an effort to help them. And making an effort to help them is not booking a 30-minute meeting in your diary. No. They want to feel that when they're going through a crisis, you'll stop what you're doing and you'll call them. And as many times on a Friday night, I'd be calling people. As I moved up the organisation, the people that I worked with very closely had a policy of speaking to them at least, uh, you know, calling them and finding out how they were doing on a Thursday, Friday night. And as I moved further up the organisation, you can imagine how many calls that took. I mean, I'd call them, we'd have a chat, we'd have a discussion, 30-minute calls. I mean, 10 people, that's five hours, and that is exactly what happened. Saturdays were the same thing. I mean, eventually, what happened is that I was, you know, I, I definitely did not want to break this rule of speaking to people. So my weekends used to be you know taken up whereby sometimes I'd have breakfast with my team just to chat, speak to them, understand what's happening, a very informal event. And it was very unusual in, in terms of partners who did that. I know other partners who did that as well, but I really made it a policy of doing it. And again As I became more senior, I traveled much more extensively and much greater distances. Uh, Someone should do a study and see if there's a correlation between the distance you travel and your seniority. I'm pretty sure there is. And I had no choice but to leave on Saturday nights. So invariably Saturday nights, I would be done with what I was doing by 4 o'clock. I'd get some personal time in. I'd leave at about seven o'clock, and I'd be at the airport there and ready to fly out by nine or eleven or whenever the, the departure flight was. And it it became so common that I had my own space in a certain restaurant at this at the airport, and I just sit there and I'd order the same thing all the time because it was these couches that were really comfortable, and I could just you know relax there. The work became much more hectic. Obviously, you know you'd be shocked at you know you think as an associate you have to work hard as a partner it's even worse. As so a partner it's worse because you don't have direct, I would say, control over what you're doing. So, for example, if you're responsible for a project, there's a team leading it, but you're not at the client all the time, so you have to work extra hard to understand what they're doing. You cannot ever say that you know, the team didn't update you. You've got to make sure you're reaching out to the engagement manager, case leader, and getting the right updates, understanding what's happening. So the workload just becomes intense. Sunday evening, you arrive there Sunday morning. It's not a chance to see the city or go sightseeing. I've never ever sat in the restaurant of an hotel where I was saying. I've never done that by myself. I've only done it if the team wanted to have dinner and we had to do it. Or as meeting a client or I had to have a meeting. I've never sat by myself and done that. I've always gone straight to my room. Gone through the ritual of making sure my suit was ready the next day, my electronics were working, my laptop was working, I was contactable, and I was ready to go. And that's how I operated. Many beautiful cities I've arrived in, I've never seen it Rome, Moscow, Prague, uh, Beijing, Sydney, Australia. I mean, Sydney, Australia is really tragic. I've been there eight times, I've never been outside of my hotel. I'm hoping to change that soon, but you know, it, it, that's just the way it is. And the point is that Sunday comes, you're dealing with multiple things. You're you're dealing, obviously, with an existing client. But within an existing client, there may be three or four separate projects going on. You may be helping develop a relationship or help a client understand a new issue. So you're building thoughtware, for lack of a better word. You're always speaking to different people. People always want your time. I mean, if you are a specialist in a certain area, for example, if you're a specialist in strategy, if you're developing new ways to think about strategy, then the firm wants your time. People are going to be calling you for guidance. If an, if an analyst calls you and says, Hey, uh, someone told me I need to speak to you because you're an expert in this way of thinking, you never dismiss them. It's the firm rule that if someone asks for help, you have to offer. It's if an analyst calls you from Sweden and you're in Mexico City, you will return the call the same day. It would be a very strange senior partner or a partner, anyone that wouldn't return the call because the firm prides itself on operating with that hierarchy and it prides itself on being able to connect with people. That's one of the things I was proud of as being a consultant. I mean, anyone could call me. I'd return the call the same day and try to help them. Global family, we're all in it together. But it was really grinding. I mean, Mornings were usually breakfast with clients, and there were some mornings where I'd have three breakfasts in a row. My first breakfast would start at 7 a.m., I'd then do an 8 a.m. breakfast, I'd then do a 9 a.m. breakfast. It was normal. Sometimes I would do lunches three times in a row. Sometimes I'd do dinners, three dinners at night. I mean, one would maybe be a sort of a s- smaller dinner, drinks, another one, dinner, another one, dinner. But there were some situations whereby You just don't have any control over your life. There's just so much going on. You have to be disciplined. And I think about it this way. If you're in so many meetings, when do you work? You have to work and usually that's the night time to do it. People really do not understand the pressure that partners go through in consulting firms. The workload is intense. If you are going to be marrying a partner, dating a partner, you're never going to see them. I mean my last dinner probably ends around 10 o'clock and again I worked on the hard and fast rule of no more than an hour for dinner and it was a very hard rule to enforce because some clients just felt offended if you left early so I really managed this very closely and sometimes I had to stay, I had no choice but I, eventually as I got to new clients a lot better they understood that I worked on the one hour rule and it became a lot easier to manage but when you're building new relationships it's a lot more difficult to do that so you've got breakfasts, you've got lunches, you've got dinners You've got to be at a client and helping them think through their problems. It's not all eating when you're a partner. You actually have to help clients. I mean, you're really tired from having two meetings in the morning, either teleconference or whatever it is. You've got to go to a client site. You've got to sit down uh, from across the the room, across the uh, table from an executive. He's going to lay out a problem. You've got to help him solve it. You can't tell him, hey, I'll get someone to do it. No, you've got to, he's paying you a lot of money. You've got to show him how to solve these problems in real time on a whiteboard. You can't say that, um, let me look up some slides. No, he's paying you big money, you've got to help him think it through. And at that level, you're really helping executives think through what they're going to do. It's not about, let me call up my team and we'll do 20 slides for you. If you do that, you're a failure at that level. You've got to be able to concisely, succinctly articulate the problem the executive is facing on a whiteboard in 30 to 40 minutes and help him understand his issue better than he understood it, even though he's been there for 40 to 50 years. Maybe, not ne- maybe an exaggeration some of them have only been there 20 years but you get the point right and you can imagine the amount of energy you've got to have to do that at a certain point food doesn't taste that great I mean I've mentioned this in other podcasts but at a certain point food tastes like sawdust I mean the food just tastes horrible you can't eat it anymore because it distracts your ability to think and take notes and to process thoughts and you'd order the smallest thing in a restaurant and just eating becomes horrible and to be honest I'm not a big fan, I think I've mentioned this before, of going into having important discussions with clients in a public setting. I wouldn't do it, actually. i just build relationships over dinners and lunches and breakfasts, but key discussions, I'd like to do it in the office. And when you're an associate, you know, you can say, hey, I'll do this Monday, to Thursday, Friday, I'll be in the office and I'll try to get some time on a weekend. When you're a partner, it doesn't work that way. You don't own your time. Do you know who owns your time? The guy who owns your time is the negligent employee who decides to not do something right and causes a problem at a factory, which then upsets your client, who then calls you and figures out how to deal with this? That's the guy who owns your time—the negligent employee—and you have no control. But when I say that the life's difficult, let me tell you something: I would not have had it, done it any other way. Because what you learn as a you know young partner, and most partners, it you know they become principals when they're in there. 30s a few in their late 20s and your senior partner mid thirty, late 30s sometimes you know early 40s but that's unusual and you have this opportunity to speak to people who are having an enormous impact across the world and you have a chance to shape their destiny I mean, there are very few industries in the world that give you that opportunity and sure the workload is intense i mean there's nothing like it um, i can't imagine another industry being that intense with so much at stake and that's sort of the day in the life of an engagement partner it's really intense i mean sure you've got lots of people running around you and reporting to you and remember something if i know i've got a meeting 2 months from now or 3 months from now or 4 months from now i got to think to myself what am i going to tell the ceo of this company so i've got to have a team working on research for me doing point of views, doing analysis to allow me to take the right ideas to this client. So there's an excessive amount of planning that goes into one meeting. For example, if the CEO of, um, I don't know, Sony says he wants to see us, we can't just rock up there and say, hey, you know, you want to chat, you know, let's have a discussion. No, you've got to have a pretty good understanding of the issues he faces, what your thoughts on those would be and what he would want to hear. And how you would coach him through and invariably what you're going to say may be controversial you have to coach him through it but to know what you're going to say and be able to prepare for it you've got to have done the research up front so the planning is quite intense and after the meeting there's going to have to be follow-up discussions follow-up research follow-up sessions where you're going to have to develop your point of view which culminates in this you know famous 18 15 page letters that you write to the client saying you know what this is what we want to do, what do you think, this is what we discussed over dinner and are you happy with this and that's the way you sell the work but as you notice in this 25 minute soliloquy at no point did I talk about selling because the top firms don't sell they think and because they think well and put the the needs of the clients first, everyone comes to them so what you should take out from this is that the the workload of a management consultant is intense, very unstructured at every level. And you—that that is why you need to bring structure in your thinking, because unless you do it, the situation will control you. hope you enjoyed the podcast. Please feel free, as always, to send me your thoughts and comments.